from the socially distant studios of Brodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another very good episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks, You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Service berry is a great plant. It's native, excellent for wildlife, and supplies fruits super early in the season. But should it still get my tough love planting if it's been growing in a nursery bed for a year? On today's show, we'll remind everybody that you should never, quote, improve the soil in the planting hole when installing new trees and shrubs. And your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and gregariously grandiose gentrifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than a berry that services because you forced it to make peace with your clay right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we got another one of those hybrid shows for you, cats and kittens. In the question of the week, we are going to repeat one that ran last year about planting new trees and shrubs and why you should never improve the soil in your planting hole. But I think we're going to have some brand new phone calls, and I know that we have a brand new interview that's very interesting about new scientific research that explains why healthy organic garden soil is like Prozac in a good way. But before that, lots of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Leah, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello. Hello, Leah, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm just ducky, thanks for asking. (laughs) Where is where is Leah? I'm going to have a duck here one of these days, like Groucho used to have. Uh, where is Leah doing good? I live in northern New Jersey in Morris County. What can we do for Leah in the Garden State? So I just have some general questions about planting seeds in my raised garden beds and also in some large pots that I have. Sure. Um, so the issue is that... We've had a pretty decent spring so far, so I've been able to get out in my garden a little earlier than I was last year. So I was taking off the chopped leaves that I had over my beds, and I decided to plant some seeds that on the package so that they were okay to be planted in the spring. Like I have some carrots and radishes, mm-hmm. some peas that um, said they could stand a, fro- a frost if in case we have one. Right. So I refreshed the soil. Um, I do also have an additional question about a soilless um, planting mix, but my immediate question is, after I planted all those seeds, I did all this work, a week later, I realize it's a feeding frenzy in my garden with the birds. They oh, have eaten yeah. every single seed that I planted. So nothing, not a single one came up. So they must have gotten to all of them. So, And I, I haven't had this issue before, and I feel like the birds are very active. I've followed your advice about the suet feeders, trying to attract birds to eat the pests in my garden. I have a little bird bath. 
I feel like I have a very nice, um, a, a very nice area back them back there for them. What should I do? This does not happen very often, but when it happens, it's really annoying because birds will get into this habit. And once they do something a couple of times, they're going to keep coming back and doing it. So no, 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 no. we're we're not talking (laughs) we're not talking about anything devilish here. So um, later on in the season, you're going to have big plants, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you ever thought about getting a motion activated sprinkler? I do have one. I haven't set it up yet. I was having some issues with my hose. But it is resolved, so that was one thing I was planning on doing because I haven't tried again with new seeds. I have some new seeds, but I feel like I want to I wanna be prepared. That's why I wrote to you in the first place. Before I spend all this time planting more seeds, I wanted to kind of check all the boxes and make sure I'm protecting the seeds from the birds because they're just – I can see even in the, in the ground, I can see little, like, holes that they've made. They've really, oh, yeah like searched i had like a row of spinach planted they got all it's kind of crazy so and that's how they repay you for the suet over the winter the birds (laughs) so um motion activated sprinkler you know we've had a beautiful spring in the mid-atlantic uh it's gotten some chilly it's been too windy Um, The rain seems to be less intense, but I've noticed the nighttime temperatures are are pretty moderate. I've had my tomato plants outside, um, not in the ground. No, no, just taking them out for a walk Mm -hmm. where, you know, I'll look and see it's going to be bright and sunny. The nights are going to be in the 50s. So I'll just turn my lights off inside and let them sit outside in the natural um, daylight and warm evenings and, you know, kind of get a taste of nature. So mm-hmm. uh, they did come back on the first night that dropped below 40, but it still didn't freeze. So I think it's perfectly acceptable right now to set up your, uh, your motion-activated sprinkler. You may not even have to drain it. I think we might be out of the uh, real frosty issues uh, coming up. So aim that where the birds are coming down. And then what do you have around the house? Do you have chicken wire or do you have any kind of welded wire? No welded wire. Around my garden, I have two large raised beds and then I have a whole bunch of large pots that I've collected over the years that I use for planting other vegetables that okay. don't have huge root systems. And I have a very like high deer fence because we, I mean, where I am in New Jersey, we have a lot of wildlife. We have bear, we have groundhog, we have a whole family of groundhogs. We have fox. We have a lot going on, so well, we have ca- to have. Be careful with be careful with those groundhogs because yeah. they can really undermine structures and they can really take a toll on our companion animals, dogs and cats. They're uh, pretty yeah. vicious, and uh, they can uh, they can actually damage the foundation of your house. So what I'm thinking is you go to the hardware store and you take a good look. I would say your two choices here are uh, a material called hardware cloth. And it's not cloth, it's metal, and it has very small openings. And a lot of times, for instance, if you're gardening out west, growers will line their beds with hardware cloth to try to keep gophers out which are a tremendous pest that would come up from underneath. You could manipulate 
the hardware cloth, not laying it directly on top of your crops or anything like that, but maybe bend the edges, make it a kind of a rectangle or even a loop and have it just sitting over the area that's been planted. So there'd be plenty of air space so they couldn't just peck down in between the holes, but birds can't move something like that. So you'd be playing around. You'd you want to have it about a foot up in the air. Same thing if you wanted to buy a roll of chicken wire. You just cut it off and then the chicken wire, again, you would bend the sides to kind of force it into a rectangle and mm -hmm. have the sides be about a foot long and then the top going over so that they can't reach it, no matter how long their beaks are. And, but perfectly okay for any kind of pollinators to come in who want to check out what you're growing. You know, the bees will be able to get in just fine. Um, so okay. I, I think that's probably the easiest way. A lot of people will tell you, you can take some of your old CDs and put them out there on like mm -hmm. I read that, yeah. garden hooks and stuff. I'm not, I'm not really sure that would be tremendously effective, but you can, you can try it. Um, I think really um, some protective wire cages. And if you're handy or you know anybody who's handy, you can always make these semi-permanent. Uh, attach them to blocks of wood that are the right size to fit over, say, a section of your garden bed. And then you wouldn't have to be making these things by hand or repairing them. You'd have something you could put on top that would allow, again, if you wanted pollinators to come in, but would keep things like birds out. And once you make it well, it should last for you for 10, 12, 20 seasons. Okay, that's a good idea. I did ask at my local garden center, and they had recommended putting down hay because they said that that's what people do when they plant grass seeds. They spread hay over the seed. So what do you think about that? Um, well, I'm against it when you plant grass seed because I think all, oh, it, okay. all it does is prevent sunlight from getting to the seed yeah, and germination. Um, yeah. It could be helpful with birds. Um, they're going to come, but they're going to be attracted to the hay because they're building their nests right now. That's true. Oh, okay. I've got flycatchers and, um, and other uh, birds like that that are building nests all over the house this year. It's just remarkable and they might go in there uh to get some of the material for their own nests but um mm -hmm. you can get you know for instance on top of your containers where making a, a wire cage over top might be a little bit difficult you know you could try it there you know the, you know just think of physical exclusion or confusion you know if you're going to do it um if you're going to do the straw on the containers, you know, get a couple of those pinwheels, um, in, mm -hmm. in, okay. you know, and it, even if it doesn't work, it'll look like fun. It'll look like somebody's having <laughs> fun, you know, yeah. other than the birds. Okay. Yeah. All right. Those are some good ideas. Thank you very much. Bye. That number to call, and you can call it any time, is 833-727-9588. Debbie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi. Hello, Debbie. How are you? Great. And where is Debbie Great? I'm from Brynigsville, PA. All right. What can I do for Debbie in Brynigsville, PA? Well, I was wondering your thoughts um, on my uh, Japanese weeping cherry and my others, my snow goose cherry trees. Mm -hmm. This year, they have hardly had any 
flowers at all. Really? Yes. And I see in the other neighborhoods, um, they're blooming really nicely. Well, the little flowers that were on are gone already. And, of course, now the, the, the leaves look fine. But I just was wondering your thoughts on that. Well, you, <clears throat> you don't live that far from my neighborhood, so to speak. And there weren't any frosts at the wrong time. Um, did your plants perhaps bloom in the fall when we had that long extended, uh, we had that freeze and that long extended warm period? Not that I noticed. Okay, now you would notice it. Yeah, no, no. no okay. Um, how long have they been in the ground? Uh, the snow goose cherry trees are about, uh, we've planted about 11 or 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then the, the little Japanese weeping, uh, like four or five years. And that's a that beautiful. Been, that's a beautiful tree, and they bloomed well in the past. Well, it, it's um, not real heavy because you know it's it's still getting going, and it's and it's small still. Um, but it's they've bloomed. All of okay. them have bloomed. Okay. Do you prune them? Uh, yes, a little bit. When do you prune them? Um. Well, the weeping cherry, when they get too long and we're trying to cut underneath them uh -huh. and we have to trim them a little, right. um, I was going to do a little pruning now, um, for just thin out the, the Japanese weeping. Okay, so the only safe time to spring, to spring, <laughs> to prune spring blooming trees and shrubs is after they're done blooming. So okay. because you really didn't get any blooms and something weird happened, I'm going to ask you to wait until, okay. until the flowers are off of your neighbor's cherry trees. When, okay. you, when you don't see any, any flowers on the, on the local cherry trees, then you can prune your plants. Uh, don't prune more than a third and never prune them after, say, June because you'll okay. remove the buds. Um, are, th are they mulched? Um, uh, very little, just a tiny bit. And what is it? It's, uh, just regular black mulch. Okay, get that away from them. Um, okay. Dyed mulches, we don't know what's in those dyes. And there was never a good reason, uh, people my age, you know, just look at this and slap our heads. There was never a mulching season. Nobody spread wood mulch all over their property. It was only when landfills started to get filled up and they wouldn't take wood waste anymore that all of this junk was chipped up and dyed that god-awful color. And then people just imitated other people who used it. But it is terrible for your plants. So just rake, just, it's better to have no mulch than to have dyed wood mulch underneath your plants. Um, are they growing in or near a treated lawn? No, we don't treat our lawn. Excellent. And how much sun do they get? Oh, full sun all day. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove that black mulch. You just toss it into the woods or something. There's lots of woods near Bronningsville. Um, and then I want you to go to an independent garden center, like a mom and pop garden center. Okay. And get a bag of rock phosphate. It'll be a relatively small bag. This is phosphorus in its original rock form. It's mined. So how many trees do you have? Three. Okay. Anywhere between a half a cup and a cup of rock phosphate. 
um, in a circle around the trunk of the tree and then get a bag of real premium compost, real good compost um, while you're at the garden center and then cover the rock phosphate with an inch of compost. Apply the compost as a mulch even, uh, going not touching the trunk of the trees, uh, but going out um, as far as the furthest branch. Putting the compost on top will help the rock phosphorus activate quicker. Um, These minerals take a little bit of time uh, to be absorbed by the plants. But the good news is you won't have to do it again for three to five years. Uh, Phosphorus remains in the soil. And this is a very slow release form that's not dangerous to waterways or anything. It's organically approved. So uh, some rock phosphate covered with compost and light a candle to the Blessed Mother for next year. All right. Thanks so much. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody that you are listening to a hybrid episode of You Bet Your Garden, parts of which are new and parts that originally aired at just about this same time last year. But don't go trying to reset your Wayback Machine just yet, Sherman, because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls, a timely reminder about the proper planting of perennials, and great new research about the psychological importance of fertile soil. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to a hybrid episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, bringing you something new, something old, nothing blue, and I forget what the other one was. Anyway, coming up next is a wonderful interview we recently recorded that explains why healthy, fertile soil makes you feel better than you thought it did. After that, some more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. All right, and now it is time for a very special interview with Suzanne Longacre of Laurel Valley Soils out in Landenburg, PA. You you may remember uh, Suzanne from having been on the show a while back showing us the different bulk soils uh, that are available um, at garden centers and Laurel Valley supplies, all those. Well, she has come across some research she wants to share with us that is just amazing and explains why we feel so good when we smell the good earth. Suzanne, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. 
Well, thank you. Excited to be here again. Thank you for being (laughs) had, Suzanne. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) You sent out a press release recently that fascinated me that says, essentially, when we work with good, healthy soil, it has that wonderful smell, we're getting serotonin, true serotonin, that will lift our spirits. Yeah, so studies have shown that um, soil contains some uh, naturally occurring uh, bacteria, good bacteria, um, that works very much like serotonin. Um, And so when we go out and we dig in the dirt um, or we even take a walk through the forest, um, we will get some of this um, naturally occurring serotonin which lifts our mood. Um, and yeah, I think everybody can attest to a time or many times where we were um, taking a walk or planting our vegetables or our flowers and felt this happiness that, you know, is attributed to that. Um, so yeah, so it's really exciting to kind of quantify that. Serotonin, a natural mood enhancer in good soil? Yes, yes. And so um, during times like this, um, when we might be feeling a little uh, unnerved about everything, um, it'd be great to go outside. You can practice your social distancing in your garden. Um, Get your hands a little dirty. Start preparing your beds and um, get that natural serotonin from your soil. Now, you're not talking about, you know, it's been well established that when people are out in nature, their blood pressure goes down and they feel in a good mood. You're throwing something extra in. You're saying there's a component of living soil itself that enhances that good mood? Yeah, there are certain um, uh, bacteria, good bacteria that are present in soil. Um, that actually have been shown to elevate your mood. Um, and you can get that not only from um, digging in your garden, if you might not have a garden or might not be able to do that, um, even going outside in the, in the woods, um, you will also get some of that as well. So yeah, being outside and, and just being around soil, and your ecosystem is definitely um, a mood enhancer. Now, for many, many years, more than I can count, unfortunately, I've been passing on the advice of retired Maryland Extension agent Frank Gowen, and I'm sure you're familiar with Frank's work, who said that the best way to judge bulk compost is to see if it smells like good compost, feels like good compost, and looks like good compost. Uh, But the smell test, to me, was always, and now I realize it, incredibly pleasant. There is something wonderful about smelling healthy soil. Yeah, when you smell that uh, good organic matter, it has a a real nice earthy smell. Um, And you know, you want that in your soil. If you think about um, soil that maybe is real light in color and kind of dry, you don't really smell anything, right? No. It doesn't have that that nice earthy scent. So you want to make sure that when you're going to plant that your soil is has that nice earthy smell so that 
your plants can get the benefits uh, of that organic matter and uh, the microorganisms and all the different things that healthy soil will provide. So if you don't have, say you have some soil that's maybe not quite so healthy, you can add some compost to increase your organic matter, and then you'll see the life come back to it. And then you'll start to see some worms and all kinds of um, great signs that you're ready to start planting in your new nice beds. But the important organisms are even beyond microscopic because what's the, what's the old line? I mean, there's like a billion living organisms in a teaspoon of healthy soil. Yeah, that's correct. Now, where does the serotonin angle come from? Is this research from some ag university? Uh, you know, wh where's this from? Yeah, so um, I did find um, some uh, information about that, um, where they did do research and, and found that, you know, there's good bacteria, like there's good bacteria in your gut, you know, like there's the, all the beneficial bacteria will provide different uh, benefits. Mm -hmm. And one of them um, has uh, components like serotonin. So um, I think that's a really um, great uh, find because, you know, we know of all the other benefits of healthy soil. And if it's going to make us happy and healthy, um, that's Amazing, right? <laughs> and I'm presuming we get the most serotonin uptake um, through our olfactory sense by this wonderful smell that everyone recognizes. And it would be hard to hold um, a handful of really healthy soil and get that earthy smell and not smile. Exactly, exactly. And then imagine if that beautiful, healthy smile or soil um, also grew beautiful flowers, yeah. you know? So you're just going to be happy as a clam, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting because since this, um, I don't even, I, I call it the Cottonelle virus because it's making everybody run out for toilet paper. <laughs> but um, since this tragedy began, I've been urging people to get out into nature. Because again, we know that being around trees and just being out in nature will lower your blood pressure and elevate your mood. But this is, this is something different. Um, this is like inhaled Prozac. Exactly, exactly, yep. All right, well, I, I guess I also have to ask you, um, you are one of several uh, distributors of bulk soils, composts, um, mushroom soil, special aggregates for growing green roofs and rain gardens. What does a facility like you during, do during trying times like this? Are you open for business? Are you allowed to bring truckloads to people's houses? What's, what's the deal? Yeah, so um, we are... Um still operating um, very safely. Um, we, we're a wholesale distributor, so we don't typically deliver to people's houses. We deliver to garden centers or, um, you know, bulk projects and things like that. So um, there are garden centers that are, are 
still operating because um, it is uh, landscaping services are deemed essential. So um, we are still operating, um, and some of our garden centers are as well. Um, we're definitely practicing, um, you know, safe procedures where, um, like everyone, with the uh, keeping a distance and, um, you know, really trying to keep our employees safe. Um, luckily, um, a lot of our employees are out in uh, front-end loaders, so they're not right along with other their coworkers. So, and and um, I would say that garden centers are even more essential uh, because they are the basis of home food production. Absolutely, and we're seeing a lot of that. Um, people are um, very interested in um, growing their gardens this year. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um, the Victory Gardens, and uh, ironically, I was on a call yesterday with the U.S. Composting Council, and it was real interesting to hear those that knew what a Victory Garden was and those who didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> the some of them didn't quite know. Um, but yeah, there's, there seems to be a, a much more renewed interest in uh, growing your own gardens. Number one, I think um, people right now, it's a great uh, escape. People can go out and start to prepare their gardens. It's a great um, family uh, activity within your immediate family, you know, so you're not, you're not with other people, but you can, um, you know, plan something and start to work on something, um, to give you some purpose right now. And um, it gets you, you know, out of the house and exactly. we have no idea how long this is going to go on, but, um, it, it will eventually give you good produce that you don't, have to go into a store and be exposed to other people to enjoy. Exactly. Um, So there are so many benefits to it. Um, One of the things that I've been thinking about is with my garden, I started learning about companion planting. And so I'm thinking about maybe uh, mixing some flowers in with my veggies. And I was wondering if what you thought about that and if you had any thoughts it's always it's always a good idea. The mixed garden where crops are not grown right next to each other. You know, you never want to do a row of tomatoes, a row of peppers, anything like that. A typical raised bed should have maybe two tomato plants in it, a couple tomato, a couple of uh, a pepper plants, a bunch of herbs, maybe a little planting of salad greens, pretty flowers especially if the flowers attract pollinators. So mixing, mixing up your beds is a great protection against insect invasion and disease, and it's just more fun, and it's better for the plants. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of the vegetables are, are very attractive looking. The plants are, are nice looking, and um, they'll mix right in with the flowers. And um, I've also read something about how some of the plants will attract pests. Some of the flowers will attract pests that will then not go to your vegetables. So kind of like a detractor. That's, um, a, that's so, yeah, that's called a trap crop. And yes. you, you don't want the trap crop to be near your good plants. You want the 
trap crop to be on the outskirts of your uh, garden. Good point. But we're good we're point. wandering away from the topic of serotonin, which I'm fascinated <laughs> by and is very important. And again, explains why we all get that good feeling when we have a handful of healthy soil and we inhale it. Now we know really what's going on and uh, the good bacteria are, are giving us uh, a little bit of a lift. Exactly. And again, you know, during these trying times, it's a, a wonderful thing to get out into your garden. So um, I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of that this weekend and um, smiling while doing it. All right. Suzanne Longacre from Laurel Valley Soils. Thank you so much for uh, sharing this amazing research with us. Yet, yet another reason for people to get out there not only and work in the soil, but to get out there and work in good soil. So throw away your miracle grow, throw away your Osmocote, get good compost out there. It's going to make you feel better. Suzanne, thank you very much for being on You Bet Your Garden once again. Thanks so much, Mike. Happy gardening. You too. Well, they saw it first in Southeast PA, and it's spreading further every day. It's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed. And folks, that's cause for some alarm. Once you dig what I have dug, you'll be hit to this invasive bug, and friend, you'll want to help to stop it spread. And when you see that little critter gonna take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern, fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase her all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. And fall from the eggs on a wall tree trunk and scrape them off into an alcohol dunk and surely that will cause them to expire. When the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring, wrap your trees with a sticky tape ring, but save the birds by covering with chicken wire. Now the tree of heaven is their preferred host, yeah, that's the tree it likes the most. So if you got one in your yard, chop it down. Don't transport firewood, brush or debris, cause they'll hide in there and you'll never see them. Hitch a ride with you to the very next town. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a flash water, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. It's time for me to take a little break and announce that every single one of my spring and summer events has been canceled. But don't go looking for all the current details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls and a timely reminder about planting perennials. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodell Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem. Pennsylvania. 
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling hybrid episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. Coming up in just a little bit, a very important question of the week originally aired last year at this time. But first, some phone calls, maybe some new Maybe some old. I don't even know anymore. Just call 833-727-9588. Chris, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, sir. How are you today? I am just ducky, Chris. Thank you for asking. Where are you and how are you? Uh, I am doing quite well. Calling from Moore, Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City. What can we do for Chris in Oklahoma? Well, Mike, I have a um, raised planter that I've built in my backyard, and it's purely decorative. The purpose of it was to hide. Uh-huh. So I built this planter um, in order to, to have something nice to look at in the backyard, and I filled it with uh, various perennial succulents, including some prickly pears. Right. My prickly pears have just taken off, and they're doing wonderful, but also what's taken off and doing wonderful is all the weeds that are growing down at the base of them. I'm wondering, sir, do you have any advice as to how I can help control the weeds without having to stick my hand in and have it come out looking like it's a hedgehog? Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to go back and change those prickly pears out for something less prickly? <laughs> so is this a raised planter of some kind? Yes, it is raised. I took great care to make sure it drains very, very well. I'm happy to tell you the steps to make sure you approve of what I've done in there. But yes, it's it's raised off the ground by quite a bit. And and how high is it when you walk up to it? Um, where? Oh, about waist. three feet. Okay, so waist high, kind of. And how do how do we think the weeds got in? You didn't use garden soil, did you? Oh well, I did. So what? Uh, how I how I <laughs> filled it? Because it was quite a large volume that needed to be filled. So I did a base layer of some you know broken up concrete. Then I did a layer of lava rock over that, and mm-hmm. then the rest of it I filled with. My wife and I were doing some other renovations in the backyard, so I took some of the soil from that we had dug up, mixed it with. Uh, Two parts soil, one part um, gravel, one part perlite. Okay. See, what I there's nothing wrong with that. Although I wouldn't have all that non-soil stuff in the bottom. They don't recommend putting a drainage rocks in the holes of containers anymore. Um, what what I've had you do is when you installed this and got it filled, I would have had you water it every day um, for about ten days and then see what sprouted, all the weed seeds that you planted, ah. and then use a sharp hoe-like object to slice them at the soil line. And then after ah. that, you're weed-free because you... Well, Mike, see, that would have required a fair amount of patience, which is something I severely lack in. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so um, there are a couple of options. I doubt you want to... Uh, in the coming weeks, I'm hoping to have a guy on the show who's asking about steam weeders. Um, Mm. And he's talking about commercial ones used for farming um, that shoot, you know, uh, boiling water into the ground. It's great for controlling weeds. They also have the smaller ones for home use that are, you know, about $150, $250. And they have a long wand and they heat up and they're very accurate. You can steam the weeds without harming any other plants. One... One of your other options would be a flame weeder. 
get a very small one, like the Burns-O-Matic um, outdoor torch. It uses a camp stove size bottle of propane, and it's got a shepherd's hook, and you click it, it has an automatic igniter, and a little flame comes out the other end. If you were really careful and patient, you could dehydrate the weeds without harming your prickly pears, which are probably the safest thing to have in that kind of a situation because they're so filled with water. Okay. But that would, and of course, men love the idea of having a flamethrower around. There's the risk of personal injury. You could Indeed. start a fire. I mean, God <laughs> I'm, knows. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm willing to exert a little bit of patience just so I can play with the flamethrower. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When um, <laughs> I, I've always had them. One time, I just couldn't find mine, and the season was started. My son was about eight years old, and we went to the nearby tractor supply place, and I bought a new one. And we're in the checkout line, and it's filled with candy, and I'm expecting to be hit on, you know, Dad, can I have a lot of, you know, this and that? And, and he, instead, he was, like, silent. I thought the kid was sick. And we go outside, and I say, Max, are, are, are you okay? And he goes, Dad, you just bought a flamethrower. That is so cool. <laughs> oh, that's not a bonding moment. I don't know what is. Hopefully you played with it together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, just my, my wife loved that. Yeah. Um, and then there is also a very interesting hand weeding tool. Tool. It's actually a family of tools. The main category is it's called the winged weeder. It has okay. a it has a diamond shaped head. It's a hoe. Um, and there are really long handled ones that have big diamonds on the end. And there are also very small handled ones that would only be like a foot long with this tiny diamond shaped, essentially razor blade on the end. And with the, it's called the, that one is called the winged weeder junior. And you go in and you can slice your weeds off at the soil line and not touch anything. I mean, the, the, the closeness, the precision is just amazing. Interesting. Interesting. So those are some, some great uh, great pieces of advice. I, I have to admit I'm leaning much more towards the flamethrower option, though. That sounds like the best one so far. Right. And if you want to get in Just there. Just because of the fun. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I love my flame weeders. They are the best. Um, and if you want to get in there and, and do a, a massive hand thing, there are special gloves that are made for roses that have okay. their leather, and they have gauntlets like Batman's gloves on them. And you can go yes, in there and, you know, weed with impunity if you want to do a big knockdown. Awesome. I will have to look into those as well. Yeah, but definitely my hands are a little bit holier than they have been had before this <laughs> yeah, project started, to, be, to say the very least. Uh, sir, may I ask one more quick question, if sure. you don't mind, about the same garden? Uh, probably because of putting those drainage rocks, which I, I now know you would have advised against at the get-go, I also have a lot of friendly little buddies that have moved in with six legs. I've got a lot of ants that oh. have decided to take up residence. Any yeah. advice on dealing with those guys? I'm worried maybe they're damaging the roots down there. No, no, no. Ants are actually beneficial in a situation like that. Ants can be a nuisance in the house or when they get into stored food like grains. Um, mm -hmm. But in a situation like yours, they're actually aerating the soil. They're eating the eggs of other insects and they're eating weed seeds. I've not oh, known. I've not known them to ever bother decent plants. Um, so I would just leave them alone. And if you can't do that, 
just take some time one day and just flood the nest out. Just get out there and, and saturate that thing and, until you see them carrying the queen away on a little raft. I'm happy to live and let live. I just didn't know that was the best option. I, as, as a very, very novice gardener, I, I didn't know that was an option. I just made the presumption that they were a bad thing. So a appreciate you letting me uh, share the advice to live and let live. Yeah, a lot of people have the wrong idea about ants and spiders. They can be tremendously beneficial. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, sir, this has been very, very informative, and I now have some super fun projects, or toys anyways, <laughs> yeah. that I get to go by. My wife's going to love the fact that I'm out in the backyard playing with the flamethrower. That's right. So I appreciate you. I can tell her you said it's okay, so that'll make it all okay. That's right. Yeah, you go, Chris. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today. As promised, it's time for the question of the week. Planting trees and shrubs. Should you never improve the soil in the planting hole? Erica, who, quote, lives in gardens in Wheatfield, New York, which is right between Buffalo and Niagara Falls, writes, last spring I bought a bundle of young serviceberry bushes from my county extension. They were small, about a foot to a foot and a half apiece. I followed the instructions to first plant them in a, quote, nursery bed. I used a brand new flower bed that I had just filled with yard waste, municipal compost, and lots of perlite. They have done well and are leafing out beautifully. I'd like to transplant them to their permanent location in my crummy clay soil this fall, which would give them about a year and a half of growing up in the, quote, nursery. But I can't find any instructions on how best to do this. It seems to me that if I dig them up with lots of that loose, rich soil they are in now and plant them that way, I'll be guilty of improving the soil in the hole and thus discouraging them from ever pushing their roots into my crummy clay. But if I dig them out and shake off all that nice soil and plant them, quote, bare root, I fear I will damage those roots and kill them. As you can see, I have just enough knowledge to be dangerous. Actually, you have just enough knowledge to ask a darn good question, Erica. And before I fumble around for an answer, I would like to take a moment to praise your choice of plants. The serviceberry, a.k.a. the Juneberry, Shadberry, and about a dozen other common names, is a remarkable plant. It's native. It comes in both the form of a tree and as a multi-branching shrub. It is one of the earliest plants to produce fruit, hence the Juneberry tag. The fruits are a lot like blueberries and taste like a combination of blueberries and almonds. At least the best ones do. Like mulberries, the fruit quality can vary considerably from plant to plant. Some taste great eaten raw. Some fruits are fit only for making jam. And hey, you know that if you add enough sugar to anything, it's eventually going to taste good. They're a great plant for wildlife as well. Several cool-looking moths and butterflies eat the leaves. Many types of birds eat the fruits. And deer will eat the whole thing to the ground if you aren't careful. Now, you have the principle of this down perfectly. You will feel like a good parent if you fill the planting hole with nice amendments like potting soil, peat moss, compost, perlite, and vermiculite to create a wonderful, welcoming environment. But the reality is that the roots of those new plants will stay inside that welcome environment instead of fighting their way out into your crummy clay. These kind of plants never seem to grow, and you can generally lift them right out of the ground four or five years down the line. Now, are there any exceptions? Yes. Blueberries are the biggest one. 
they naturally grow in highly acidic peaty soil, aka peat bogs. So you have to backfill their holes with a lot of peat moss. With lesser needy acid lovers like rhododendron and azalea, a mulch of milled peat moss covered by a mulch of compost will generally suffice. Now, your nursery bed, aka healing in, or positioning baby plants in a temporary bed until they're big enough to plant in an area whose soil scares you. You have been a good mother so far, and you are correct that late summer, early fall is the ideal time to plant new trees and shrubs. But I think it's time to get those kids out of the nursery and into the real world. Spring, early spring especially, is a fine time for planting. Double especially in your upstate New York climate, where harsh summertime temperatures generally last three or four days a year. Now, don't dig up your healed-in plants. Instead, soak the soil and pull them up ever so gently. Their new spot must have good drainage, at least good for clay, no ponding, okay? And excellent air circulation, as service berries are prone to some diseases if overcrowded. Otherwise, assuage your fears by digging a super wide hole. It's okay to bust up the clay, just don't replace it. There's an old expression in this game, dig a wide hole, not a deep one. So go to town on the sideways action. That'll help the roots move in. Position your plants high up in their planting space. Now with trees, you have the root flare as a guide. You always want to see that root flare above ground after planting. With shrubs, you're going to have to use your best judgment. Breathe, grasshopper, and believe that the plants want to live. Cover their roots with the crummy clay soil you dug up. No cheating. Then let a hose just drip really slowly at the surface of the soil for several hours for each plant. Let that soil settle. Mulch with two inches of that wonderful yard waste compost and have a fast hand with that drip hose if you go a week without rain and or if it gets really hot, which you wish, right? Last time I checked, global warming was still scary in your part of the country. Now, I want to add two quick things here. This is true of bare root plants that have been healed in. If you buy a bare root plant, make sure you soak that bare root in a bucket of water for several hours before you plant it. If you buy a plant in a pot with a lot of soil around the roots, use a hammer or a claw to pull away as much of that soil as you can and then plant the tree or shrub higher than it was in that pot. Well, that sure was some timeless advice on how to plant to perennialize now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week where? At the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to improve the soil in my hole if I don't get out of this studio. Can I say that? We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location.
you'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and links to our internationally renowned, 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 renowned podcast at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and contribute at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Eric Weiner is, I think he's at home doing phone calls. He might just be sleeping at home. I don't know. I can't wait for him to come back and run the camera. Thanks to our fearless leader, CEO Tim Fallon, who either keeps allowing us to come in to take new material or still has no idea that we're here. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, saying keep your distance, mind your garden, and those of us who grow will at least have lots of tomatoes, if not toilet paper. So face front, true believers, and I'll see you with an all-new show next week. Ah, this is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. Are your plants being eaten away in the middle of the night? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, I'll reveal why your first suspects should be slugs and or snails, and how to stop the slimers, plus your slimy phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.